Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. We all know about that in my life and how hard that's been for me and also my listeners. You guys hear them talking about it on the mailbags. It is hard to manage finances with a partner. Putting away money for retirement, since I'm not going to be doing this podcast forever. Sorry, I guess I could, but retirement is huge for me. I am deeply focused on it right now and planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Taxes are a doozy and it's always changing. How do you know what to do? Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Moolah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabby Dunn. Hello, my fellow Americans. I'm Gabby Dunn, and in these uncertain times for our country, there's one thing you can count on. I'm really really bad with money. So far on the show, here are some things I've told you I did when I was at my most broke. Selling my clothes at Buffalo Exchange, or trying to. Those people are mean. Selling an iPad my uncle gave me as a gift. Pawning my aunt's jewelry. Delivering burritos for Postmates. Sitting on the sidewalk and crying helplessly. That's not really for money. People don't give you money when you do that. Needless to say, none of those things really fix the problem. And thankfully, at the moment, None of them appear to be necessary anymore. But today I want to talk about another option I considered in those moments, which, who knows, might have worked out really well. I speak, dear listeners, of sex work. Gasp, la gasp, oh my goodness, what? I'm just kidding, you guys have been listening to this podcast long enough. You know what I'm about. You know that I'm cool. Everyone relax. So, when I was very broke, I had a friend approach me and... She wanted to give me the phone number of someone who dealt in somewhat famous women 
Like, men wanted YouTubers or actresses or famous porn stars or whatever. And it was a service that set you up with them discreetly so that you could do sex work without being found out, essentially. And so this was a a mutually assured destruction situation, I guess. And she was like, look, I know that you are struggling with money. I can set you up with this woman, which was very lovely of her. And I definitely spent a good amount of time thinking about it and then talking about it with people and then thinking about lying maybe to some people about doing it. Like saying like, you know, yeah, I I thought about it and it's a bad idea, but then doing it anyway. I think also this girl felt okay approaching me because she knew that I was like very liberal and very sex positive and she was like, well, why haven't, you know, you are the way you are. Why haven't you considered this anyway? Maybe you just don't have the means. I can get you this woman's number to set you up. The biggest thing to me was that it could be used against me in the future when I want to make, let's say, feminist arguments. Obviously, the wave of feminism now is like sex work is work and it's all good. But I see a lot of my friends who are in sex work speak about feminism and then inevitably there's a barrage of men who are just like, well, your thoughts are invalid because of your sex work. And that worried me. So there obviously were a lot of reasons why I decided not to do any of this at the time and plenty of reasons that I may have to consider it again or may consider it again. And the thing I think we need to talk about is the fact that whether we like it or not, sex is valuable. And there are plenty of shows about why we're not comfortable with people having sex. But on Bad With Money this week, we're going to talk about why we're not comfortable with people paying for sex. It's something almost everyone wants and can't get enough of. And it's a skill that most people have. If we were talking about literally anything else in those terms, we'd all be insanely turned on by the market potential. I am using the word market potential. Look at me, I'm a big girl now. Maybe part of the problem is that most of us don't know anyone who has any experience with sex work or the adult industry. For me, I didn't have to look too far to find someone who does and who's in a good position to remind me that not everyone in the adult industry is having sex in front of a camera. So let's talk again to my sister, Cheyenne Dunn. So I worked for a porn star in his sales and marketing and sort of PR department. I am, uh, just like you, a writer by trade. Uh, And I've written things for online and stuff. And he sort of saw that and was like, okay, I need someone I trust. So I've been working in the industry side of the porn adult industry. Yeah, the business side. The business side. I don't do any of the weird things. Not weird, but (laughs) I'm not on set. I don't like have to do things like that. I'm, I'm very business side. What's been the reaction when you've told people that? Uh, where do we begin? Uh, my friends from high school were like, we always knew you would get in porn, like, as a joke, because I have big boobs, and that was kind of always a joke in high school and stuff. But uh, you're like, I'm on the business side of porn. Right, right. I uh, I try to get that out as much as possible. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Uh, some people don't understand it. I mean, I went to dinner with my friends from high school when I was home, and they were asking all these questions, because... I was at a convention for a, an industry convention, and that's why I was home. And I went to dinner with them, and we sat down, and they were both like, so, like, do you see things like anal? And I'm like, yeah, that's, like, made the majority of the fucking industry. Like, of course, I've, like, are you kidding? No, but, and so I have been do, did that for about six months, and uh, I've been doing some freelance writing now in the industry, doing some uh, interviews with stars and, you know, news, business news stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but... 
yeah, it's, it's an interesting industry to work in, definitely. For a while, you were sort of like trying to justify to yourself, like working an adult. Yeah, well, because everyone I talked to, even mom and dad were like, oh, my God, this is insane. What are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, OK, please, dad's done worse. So, um, but so, so is it just sort of a job to you now or? Yeah, I just feel, um, this is something I actually talked about with my therapist the other day. Uh, it is weird to me because a lot of time I tried to work in mainstream. I am Gabby Dunn's little sister. There is no getting around that. There is just, and and that's fine. It's not a bad thing. At least you're like doing good stuff and people like you and you're funny Mm because if you were terrible, I would hate it. Right. But I always felt like it was n- I was never going to get my own name mm-hmm. in in mainstream. I was never going to be just Cheyenne. I was I was always going to be Gabby Dunn's little sister. Mm-hmm. So working an adult has been so different for me because nobody knows you. Nobody knows anything you do. Mm-hmm. No offense, but none taken. It's fine. If you want to get naked, I got some contacts. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding, JK. Um, so I felt for me having not be Gabby Dunn's little sister mm-hmm. was very eye-opening and like oh i can like be my own person i can do my own things and you can make money doing it yeah do you think that you're underpaid because i think in a lot of industries people don't talk to each other about what they're making and that allows for like disparate yeah um salaries yeah i think a lot of young people start jobs and don't realize that they're not getting paid enough um maybe the first month or two i was like yeah this is fine and then when all the crazy stuff started happening and i was doing double the amount of work I had been like moving our office and packaging and doing all kinds of things that's when I finally started to feel like okay I'm not this is not fair to me and what made you feel like you could ask people about their salaries or about if your salary was okay um just because I'd gotten close with them and we've pretty much discussed anything because you know in porn there's really no uh boundaries (laughs) uh I have a really close group of guy friends from the industry that have sort of taken me on as like little sister protective Mm -hmm. you know so, feeling we could discuss anything, I sort of sat two of them down that are, like, good friends of mine and was like, hey, like, I want to talk to you about this. Here's what I'm getting paid. What do you think? And the two of them were just like, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, for me, I went into this industry and it was like, I'm the young, pretty, new, like, toy that no, that right. all the boys are like, oh, that she's got to be a porn star. And then they meet me and they're like, oh, no, she's not anything like that. She's a cool person and she wants to be in business Mm -hmm. and so i think that definitely sort of was a confidence thing for me because it was like oh these people appreciate that i you know i'm young and i don't know a lot but i'm interested and i'm learning and and they're taking you seriously taking me seriously and it's not in a way that you're like is this because i'm gabby's sister or is this because i'm pretty or is this because yeah you know these people think they can get sex or something out of me and right. I, no I don't feel that way at all with these people which is so well, crazy. Well why would they? They can get sex from like five other people. Exactly but you know it's it's funny like one of my good guy friends uh, always will like make jokes with me like funny like sexual jokes that like kind of hitting on me but then he'll come over and hug me and be like you know like well, there's never anything sexual gonna happen. Like, <laughs> I'm like yeah I know like I agree and I feel the same way so just you don't have to remind me every time I'm with you like I know. <laughs> So Yeah, they're very protective. They're very, yeah, and so that's the other thing. I feel very safe in an industry that a lot of people come to me and like, oh, how do you feel like nothing's going to happen to you? I'm like, something happened to me. I have about 10 guys that would go beat someone's ass for me because <laughs> they think I'm like their little baby sister. Me, mom, and dad were all sort of like, where's Shy going to end up? Like, what's Shy's job going to be? Like, what, what could we're she... We're still asking that question. <laughs> no, but this is the first time I've ever heard you be like, I'm in an, a specific industry that I have interest in. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I 
high school, I didn't give any shits. Correct. Uh, no, I remember. No shits. Uh, in college, I started broadcast and hated it. I worked at that news station, hated it. And then I went to writing, and writing was what I've liked, but I never found a place. Mm-hmm. I never, I always knew I wanted to write. I just didn't know what I wanted to write. And I always felt I had to, like, almost live up to you. I have to be writing a lot of stuff online, and then I have to be writing scripts, and I have to be doing this, and I have to be funny, and, you know, all this stuff. And finally going into this other industry where I can, like, just kind of do everything on my own mm-hmm. and do it on my own merit. I feel like that just calmed me and was like, okay, I swear, I know where I am, I know what I want, and mm-hmm. I can get, I have the ability to get that. When I didn't have any money, a lot of times people would suggest that I go into some kind of sex work or that, like, why don't you do porn? You have all these connections. Why don't you do whatever? Uh, do you think that I would survive? Uh, yeah, I think you would survive. I think we need to give you a makeover because... Are you kidding not me? Be, you cannot be with the glasses. Like, come on, we've got some things to do. But I don't... I think you would survive. You I, are brutal. I know. That's why you love me. Today, we're also going to talk to someone who's made a pretty successful career for herself as a sex worker. She says it's not something she ever expected to be doing, but then her life took a pretty public plot twist. Exclusive, the woman at the center of the Anthony Weiner scandal. We've got a fascinating interview for you guys today. I think you'll agree with me. Sydney Leathers. Now she's joining me now to discuss her online relationship with Anthony Weiner. The one and only Sydney Leathers. The other woman at the heart of the firestorm, Sydney Leathers. Whether we like to talk about it or not, sex is a valuable thing financially. And we've talked a lot on this show about how people are more scared to talk about money than they are to talk about sex. Sydney Leathers says that we should be talking about both. In my situation, I haven't really talked about this a ton, but something that made it much easier for me to decide to do porn was the fact that I had an ex-boyfriend put pictures of me online with, obviously, without my consent, you know, kind of like a revenge porn situation after we broke up. So, you know, I think situations like that when you're like, oh, my body's already exposed out there, I might as well, like, make money off of it my own way, you know. I never felt the need to not capitalize off of my situation. You know, it's my situation. It's my life. It was something that was difficult for me to go through. Like, why wouldn't I make money off of that? Often when I complained about money in the past, people would say, well, why don't you just do sex work? Like, obviously, you're a girl. There's no need for you to complain about money ever. And a couple of times when that's come up, I've texted you asking about advice. This is true. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember what I asked you about? Yeah, I do. And I definitely remember the advice I gave you. It's the same advice I try to give anyone who thinks about any type of sex work, whether it's porn or escorting or camming. Um, I just really feel like you shouldn't ever do it unless you want everyone in your life to find out. You have to be totally okay with that aspect of it because it's complicated and people are going to have feelings about it. So you just have to really think long and hard, you know, are you okay with potentially having this conversation with your parents, your grandparents, aunts, uncles, you know, future boyfriends, future employers, like, you know, it's something you really have to think about. What was your job before all of this? I had a really normal life before all of this. I had worked a bunch of different jobs. I had worked at a tanning salon and I'd worked at a law firm and just kind of bounced around, worked some retail jobs, stuff like that. Um, really, my head was at going back to school. I had already bought all my books for that semester. And, you know, my tuition was paid in full. I was ready to go. And then uh, two weeks before my semester started is actually when BuzzFeed outed me. So that kind of left me in a position where I felt like going to school wasn't really an option right that moment. I had to 
kind of, I guess, take the time to make money off my situation. And I'd spent about a year doing that before I eventually did go back to school. But it just didn't feel right at first. The press was really hounding me. And I'm not somebody who is like self-absorbed and, you know, like wants all of that or courts all of that. It was actually really horrifying to have them, you know, like go to my dad's work and bother my mom in her driveway and stuff like that. Nobody would ever want that. You know, that's not a fun situation. So at that point, I just felt like I needed to take a year off and kind of figure out what I was going to do. When did it occur to you to monetize it yourself? Almost immediately, because once my name was out there and my photos and people were already starting to talk about me, like a guy I had been Facebook friends with that I had never even met went on CNN to talk about me as if we were like good buddies, (laughs) you know, and people that I knew from kindergarten would pretend like we were still like close friends. And it it was just getting weird fast. So I kind of felt like, well, if all these other people are going to take advantage of it, why shouldn't I? Yeah, but there is a world in which this happens and then you become like a prim crusader for privacy, you know? I kind of uh, just already felt like I didn't take myself too seriously or the situation too seriously. I kind of felt like everybody was blowing it out of proportion. You know, I got caught sexting a politician. I didn't, you know, murder a whole family. (laughs) I don't know. I just felt like I (laughs) I was being treated like Casey Anthony or something, and it was just not that big of a deal. (laughs) So um, I just kind of went into it with like a funny attitude, and Howard Stern was one of the first things I did, you know, and I just kind of like did everything from that point on, you know, took everything with a grain of salt and kind of made sure to laugh at all of it. Did you have managers and agents reaching out? Yeah, from the jump, I, you know, had somebody, I don't know if you'd call her an agent or a manager or whatever. But um, yeah, I definitely had somebody in my ear who's telling me, you know, all press is good press. And if you're making money (laughs) off of it, you know, it really is easy to think that way. I think a lot of people in my life would see stuff in certain tabloids and stuff online. And they would think like, why is she participating in this? Like, she looks like an idiot. But in reality, I was getting paid. Why else would I participate in this nonsense? I was really in on the joke more of the time than people realize with that stuff. Right. I think it is despicable that they were going after you when I mean, it's just another case of like a dude did something fucked up. So let's hound the lady that was close to him. Right. But um, did you have a perception already where you were like, Porn is where people make money. Like, I could make money doing this. Not really. You know, it took me a minute. Vivid had made an offer to me. And at first, I can remember just being like, absolutely not. I wouldn't even think of it. I was... But it wasn't that I didn't think I would like it. I thought that people in my life would shun me. I was really concerned about my family suddenly hating me. You know, that was my biggest fear. So this is going to sound super strange to some people, but I actually talked to my family about it before I did it. I was like, you know, how would you feel about this? You know, would you hate me? (laughs) But that's probably better. I think a lot of people think they can't talk to their family. Yeah, I just felt the need to be really open. And I was already in a really vulnerable place. And they already knew all this stuff about me sexting this much older man. So at that point, you know, kind of all bets are off. I can talk to them about whatever, right? They've seen me on CNN. It was kind of like shocking for my parents at first. But after the initial shock wore off, we could kind of talk about anything. That was one reason it made it easy to decide to do it. Another reason was Vivid was actually really great to me. And in the beginning, I said I didn't want to do any boy-girl sex scenes. I wasn't ready for that. So they actually let me do just like a nude photo shoot. And they filmed that as like a behind-the-scenes video. 
and sold that first. So that just kind of gave me a little more confidence and made me a little more comfortable with, you know, being around a crew of people naked, I guess. So to Vivid's (laughs) credit, they kind of like eased me into it because I really wasn't sure at first. Were you surprised at like the offers that were coming in or like the amount of money or the numbers? Oh, yeah, I was completely shocked. I will just say pretty generally that in a month, I made more than my dad made in the previous year. And I actually felt some guilt about that. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, I really did. I felt like, am I really even deserving of this much money for what I'm doing? And I wish I had been a little more mature at the time to save a little more. You know, you kind of start making all this money and you think that it's going to keep coming in like this. And at a certain point, you know, it's not you're still going to make money, but not to that extent. You know, you're not going to be cashing like 20 and 30 thousand dollar checks every day. That's you know, those are kind of yeah, that doesn't always happen. One thing I wish I could say to anyone who's thinking about doing one of those vivid movies, like a celebrity sex tape situation, is it's almost not worth doing unless you're going to continue in porn, you know? The one-and-done situation, I went into it thinking that I was going to do that, but financially it doesn't make sense. Once you're naked on the internet, you're naked on the internet. It doesn't really matter if you've done it once or 500 times. I kind of think you should kind of, you know, make what you can out of it and do it as much as you can. Because it limits your potential earning for the future. I just have had the perspective of I was judged so harshly just for sexting at first that I kind of any thought of jobs kind of went out of my head because I already knew that was like a battle I wasn't going to win. You know, and even now... Uh, For my last semester of school, I had to find an internship, and I ended up having to actually intern for my professor, who is the greatest guy ever, thank God. I had to have him give me that opportunity because when I went to interview at CBS, they were basically making a joke out of me. You know, the guy was like, oh, you're the Sydney Leathers. Um, you know, kind of, you gave us job security, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, oh, the, like it was Ugh. a funny situation. And inside, I'm just like absolutely dying. You know? <laughs> like, oh, God, the last thing I wanted him to bring up. Do you think that you entered the industry and like made more initially because you were like a famous person getting into it? Yeah, definitely. And I think that fact makes some people in the industry not like you immediately. You know, they kind of oh, sure. don't take you seriously. And they think you're going to be one and done or, you know, or they're just jealous of the fact that you get residuals. You know, I get residuals off my first movie and that's kind of unheard of in porn. That doesn't really happen unless you have your own production company, you know. So I think some people kind of get a little mad about that. Did you have any perception of like, were you like, I could I could do this? Because I feel like a lot of times I'm like, oh, I could definitely do this. Like, I could totally do this. But there is you know, people in my life that I'm like, oh, they'd be so pissed. Or like, uh, like I see other porn performers talking about feminism. I'm like, oh, wow, like men try to use it to discredit you so much. I mean, not just the physical labor of it, but also the emotional labor of it. I feel like it's more... People have said it's more stressful the way other people react to you than actually doing the work. Oh, that's so true. I've said before so many times that people's perception of porn is much more damaging than porn itself. You know, I've had great times on set. I've never had anything bad happen to me. I've never done anything I didn't want to do. Um, That said, I do pretty vanilla stuff. So if I had had a bad (laughs) experience, it would be pretty shocking. Um, 
But I, I just don't think it's that big of a deal, and people really freak out for no reason. I think you would be surprised if you talk to your friends and family about it. They probably wouldn't be as upset as you think. You know, my family wasn't that upset. Um. So, yeah, can you talk a bit about the selling of the underwear and the shoes and, like, running the Sydney Leathers business, I guess? Right. Yeah, porn is great and you make good money, but I don't shoot every day. I don't shoot seven days a week. So to supplement income, I will webcam. And I prefer to do one-on-one Skype shows because I can set my own rates. I find that I make a lot more money doing that than I do in a webcam show with a ton of dudes watching. I think for Skype shows, a lot of porn girls I've noticed really sell themselves short. I've seen girls doing Skype shows for like 30 bucks and stuff like that. And I think that's insane. Like you should at least be making $100 always. Like I charge 100 bucks for five minutes, for instance. So I try to stick to that. And then I will also sell stuff that I wore in scenes, whether it's shoes or stockings or um, panties, a bra, the whole set, you know. Um, What's the market for that? It really depends. Um, if I have a, I have a pair of shoes I just sold that I wore in a couple scenes. I sold them for two hundred dollars, and they were a fifty dollar pair of heels. So that's not a bad deal. I was going to get rid of them anyway, you know. So yeah. I just uh, and I always charge shipping and handling. Make the guy pay that. Uh, panties are obviously a little less. I'd say anywhere from like seventy five to a hundred dollars, something like that, a pair. Where do you find clients to buy stuff or for the Skype shows? I have an email that's specifically for that stuff. So I'll tweet out that email and say, you know, email me for rates on a Skype and or email me for rates on this outfit from this scene. And I sell DVDs and stuff like that, too. So that's usually what I do. I mean, there are a lot of perverts in the world, so there's definitely a never-ending stream of clients. And I'll have repeat guys, too. Um, and it, sometimes it surprises me. Like, you would, I know it's kind of the thing people would think, the stereotype that it's this old, creepy guy. But I've actually Skyped with some really hot, like, young college guys. And I'm like, where are you getting this money? <laughs> and come to find out, one of them was putting it on his credit card, poor kid. <laughs> oh, God. I know. I support and- his bad habits, apparently. I'm his bad And their habit. parents are just like, what are you spending this on? And they're like, books, leave me alone. Yeah, college is expensive. Do you think if you went back to a non-industry job and you were making less money, but there was less stigma, would that be worth it? Or is it just sort of like you don't give a fuck anymore and also like it would be boring? I imagine it would be boring after It would this. be totally boring. And I just really, to, at this point, don't care at all what anybody thinks, like not even a little <laughs> bit. So I don't think yeah, if I you're making less money, what are you making less money to be respectable? Like who gives a shit? Yeah, exactly. Nobody's opinions about my sex life. That's never really bothered me before. You know, I've never really cared that much. You know, I grew up in a really small town. So I think that can kind of give a girl thick skin anyway. People already talked about me. So you've like tweeted a lot about when people harass you online, sort of being like embracing the term whore. And I really liked the tweet about like whores are just smarter sluts. Yes. <laughs> like we just get paid for it. Exactly. That's the thing. I think of, I think about when I'm running out of money, I think all the time about how much sex I've had for free that I didn't even like. And how I'm like, oh, my God, they've tricked us into giving it away for free. <laughs> Seriously. And honestly, porn sex is some of the best sex that I've had. So the fact that I got paid for that just makes it even better. So I think my life is awesome. And when people are hateful about it, I'm just like, you don't know what you're missing, man. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder, I mean, do you see part of what you're doing as, like, reducing stigma by being 
you know, kind of a normal girl and then kind of tweeting and being normal about it? I actually do in a way, especially because I'm not your typical porn girl. If anything, it's quite the opposite. I think I am pretty average and they're all great. You know what I mean? (laughs) I came into porn in such a weird way and... um, I don't tweet entirely about porn stuff. You know, I'm not one of those girls who 24 hours a day is like, look at my tits, maybe part of the day, but I also have other things to say. And I've never let the fact that I do porn kind of limit me expressing my opinions or beliefs. I mean, there's another girl that I like Janice Griffith, who I really admire, like both of you kind of will say stuff and then inevitably there's some dude who in the comments who's like, you do porn, shut the fuck up. Always. And you're... Always. And you're both like, oh, because I do porn, I can't have opinions? Guess again. It's so annoying. Yeah, there's always that guy who's like, how dare you tweet about politics? You do porn, you slut. And I'm like, do you not realize that in a way, politics are the thing that got me into porn? You know, <laughs> like the fact yeah, that I was well, into politics. I do think it is this thing where men are angry at porn stars because you are monetizing a thing that we're supposed to like, quote unquote, love. Yeah, and I think there's just such a Madonna whore complex. And if you don't portray yourself as this virginal saint, then a lot of men don't know what to do with you. And then if you... Well, they resent... No, they resent the power that you have. Oh, totally, totally. That's definitely part of it, yeah. Or they they just don't understand it or they resent it or, yeah, there's a lot of They're like so angrily masturbating while throwing money at you. Yes, there's definitely some of that. (laughs) Do you think... It is accurate when people say to women, like, you can't ever really be poor because you have always have something to sell. Um, Maybe that changes as you age. But I feel like as a young female, that kind of is true. And you don't always have to have sex. I would say I had a few sugar daddies pre-porn. And a lot of people assume that if you have a sugar daddy, you have to have sex with them. And that is so not true. I have one guy that I met in 2012, had one lunch with him, never even kissed him, and he still occasionally sends me money. So... <laughs> like it's not a normal situation, but it I feel like happen. we're just, we're so shamed away from it because it's such a good racket. <laughs> yeah, it's really easy to do too. And I had another guy who I never did anything with. I hugged him once. <laughs> <laughs> and and I would send him dirty pictures, and that was enough for him. And he had bought me a dildo, so he felt like he was somehow in on some action. Um, and he paid Great. my rent for, like, two years. So, yeah, that was pretty good. I guess I admire it so much because I feel like it's monetizing the patriarchy. Yeah. And it's, like, making making it work for you, kind of. Well, the funny thing about that situation is when you talk about, like, a sugar daddy situation, you kind of tend to assume the man is the one in power, like, the man's the one in charge. But in reality, I always felt like the one in charge in those situations. I was the one Because you could walk away at any time. Yeah, I could walk away at any time. I was the one making money off of it. I didn't really have anything to lose. I've had more guys actually be psycho in my personal life than anything (laughs) related to sex work. And then you're like, I'm not even getting paid for this bullshit. Seriously, that's the worst. So it comes up all the time on this show that people are really hesitant to pay for art. But clearly, when it comes to sex, we don't want to admit it, but we are willing to pay. Both are valuable. Sex is valuable and art is valuable. I wanted to talk to Sydney because... She is a person who I text every so often 
when I'm in crisis mode about money. And I wish I I didn't feel that little twinge of guilt about it. Because I shouldn't. I guess I wanted to talk to her because who knows what will happen in the future. And maybe it's something that I would have to consider again. Look, you can't have a podcast about money by a woman without this coming up, okay? It's an option. Thanks for listening to Bad With Money. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes, subscribe, tell all your friends who are also bad with money, tell them that they might be able to make some extra money by selling their underwear on the internet. We're part of the Panoply Network. Our producer is Sam Dingman, Laura Mayer is Panoply's director of production, and Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. Our engineer is Jeremy Underwood. Thanks to Maria Thomas and Steve Berger at WNIN for production assistance with this episode. Original music for our show is composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen. Our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera. Don't you love it? It's so great. Our show art is by Cameron Glavin. All so great. I'm Gabby Dunn, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye! I hit the microphone. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.